This morning again, I'm going to continue on our series titled Freedom from Fear. And today I'll be talking about freedom from religious fear. Freedom from religious fear. Uh, just a quick recap on what we talked about last week. So last week I, talked, I defined what fear is, which is an unpleasant emotion caused by the f- threat of danger, pain or harm. You know, I tried to establish that God has not called us to live in fear. We read... Amen. God has not called us to live in fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says that the spirit that God has given to us is not the spirit to make us afraid. Amen. It's not to intimidate us. It's not to make us feel inferior to the Father. Amen. Uh, and this is not what I'm about to say is not in Second Timothy 1.7. Now, the spirit that God has given to us is a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's a spirit of identification with the Father. It's a spirit of unity with the Father. When Jesus came, Jesus came to restore us to the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let's turn our Bibles to Luke 174. Luke 174. Now um, it reads, it says to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. Uh, Maybe we should read it from earlier verses so that we can have some context. So let's start from verse 68. I'm reading NIV here. Thank you. Luke 1, 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And this is talking about what Jesus, what God is doing through Christ Jesus. So he has raised up a horn of salvation from us in the house of his servant, David. All this, all this is referring to Jesus. As I said through his holy prophet of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath is swore to our father Abraham. What was the oath? To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And when I talk about enemies here, yeah, we're not talking about um, your mother-in-law or your stepfather or your colleague at work. You're, you have one enemy, the devil, and he has a lot of agents, depression, anxiety, and all kind of stuff. Amen. Mm-hmm. We need to qualify and to clarify this. Because back in the days, when I was still in the religious circles, when time you see enemy, the first place my mind goes to is my the enemy in my father's house, according to what I was taught. So this is not the enemy of your father's house. The enemy, these are spiritual enemies. Amen. And amen. Okay. Let's carry on. So what was the oath? No, the, the verse 74. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Amen. I feel in my heart I need to quickly jump into this because I have a lot to cover. Amen. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies, the oath God swore to Abraham. You see, when you talk about Abraham's blessings, I'm yours. Galatians 3.14 tells us about that we can receive the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit. You know, Abraham's blessing is a spirit. It's to give you, if it's for you to have access to, or right of access to the spirit of God or for spirit of God to come into your life. That's a better way. The, the, the blessing of Abraham is the Holy Ghost. Galatians 3.14, read it. Is the Holy Spirit. Who comes in you and affects salvation in your life? And that's why 2 Timothy 1.7 is saying that that spirit that God has given you is not to make you afraid. And coming back to this Luke chapter 1, 
right? It says that, you know, to rescue us from our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John 4 that fear has torment. Fear has torment and torment is a torture. You know, I define torment as severe physical or mental suffering. So God has called us to serve him, walk with him in, uh, without fear, negative fear. Now, somebody may say, but the Bible says that we should fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you read that in context, look at the Hebrew meaning of that. It's talking about reverential respect, deep respect for the Lord. See, I'm going to trust God to walk in your heart, to walk in your mind, to be able to help you differentiate, um, you know, this context of fear right so the fear of the lord is not the fear of terror it's not the fear of harm it's not it's not it's not an unpleasant feeling of emotion that god will kill you god will destroy you if you make a mistake amen the fear of the lord is deep respect for the father i'm going to cover that in much more detail in coming weeks now so uh this is to help us that to help us understand that the Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible says, fear the Lord and it says, you not walk in fear. Then it means that we should find out, okay, what is fear here? Because you and I, we are English students, we very much extend. For you to be able to hear me, it means you hear English, you understand English because I'm speaking in English. But we know that certain words means different, have different meaning in the English language. So I'm sorry to say this, I don't mean to insult us. So why do we apply enough common sense in English language and we don't apply common sense in application to the word of God? See, the, being a Christian does not give us the right to be stupid or to lose all our senses. Besides, when God saved us, we did not lose our brain, our mind. The revelation, the, the, the salvation that we have received of the Lord is in our spirit. You see, when people, because they are not born again, they will be laid to walk or some ridiculous thing I hear that nurses, especially in Nigeria, when they're supposed to be attending to emergency situations, right, they're having money devotion <laughs> during work hours. With all due respect, that is stupidity to level 10. I'm speaking respectfully this morning. And it's very serious. My wife said, oh my God. <laughs> it's stupidity. Because the fact that we are Christians does not mean we should become unintelligent and lack common sense. Now, as I'm speaking to you, I'm not condemning you, talking you down, but I came from that same background as well. I remember the day, you know, after poverty and lack has beaten me black and blue, I could hardly afford a pound for lunch, you know, and things were just not working for me. And I will pray, I will fast. I, I, was, I was doing, I was, okay, I took a cleaning job. So which means every, we'll call it early morning. Very early in the morning, as early as 5 a.m., I'm cleaning toilet. Now, this is not to uh, condemn anyone who isn't cleaning. I, I wish I could run a cleaning business and I'm going to, if I did, or if I do eventually, I'll run a fantastic cleaning business, right? Because I see a lot of nonsense going on in the cleaning companies, right? So this is not to condemn that kind of um uh, that, that job, right? There's dignity in labor. As, as many say, not the Bible. See, the Bible didn't say that, but there's dignity, you know, there's pride in labor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let's have fun this morning. Praise God in Christ Jesus. Right. <laughs> cool. So I was taking, I took a cleaning job at that time. I think it was paying 60 pounds per week. Yeah, 60 pounds per week. And uh, in that 60 pounds per week, I was paying 20% tight. I could not even feed myself, but I was so like, Everybody else may be paying 10%. But if I can pay 20%, God will bless me more. Amen. 
Friends, I was so hungry. I was so, I was so hungry I could not concentrate in class. But do you know that the extra 10% I was paying on tight would have fed me properly that I would have been able to actually concentrate in class. Right. But I had this mindset, you know, uh, you know, and the, 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 the man of God of the ministry I was attending at that and the church I was attending at that, I just had all manner of crap with all due respect that they preach about the word of God. That's not correct. But I was poorer. So one day I'm getting somewhere. So one day, you know, in all this poverty pain, you know, you know, I was so poor. I, I, so, I was so much in lack that, you know, people, members of the church knew that this guy, luck is beating this guy and they were sending me pairs of suits, a tie. I mean, it was that bad. So my jacket was very, very bad. I'm not saying that when people um, bless you with the suit that, you know, what you are wearing is bad. But with, when I look back, when I look at the combination of what I was wearing, you know, something was not right with me. So in the midst of all of this, I, I remember there was a day I was... I was going to pass the night at my friend's girlfriend's house. All right. How does that sound? So I had no way to stay that night. So I said, because a friend of mine, had, his, his girlfriend at that time had a one bedroom flat, right? So she has a living room she doesn't use. All right. Well, obviously this is trust for him to be able to allow me to go and pass the night at his girlfriend's house. I'm trying, girlfriend's house. I'm trying to show you how bad the situation was. You know, I'm this person like, you know, I would don't want to ever in my life pass the night in a woman's house. You know, I, I was a religious person. It's not Paul was religious. Okay, I think I'm a junior colleague to Paul, right? Apostle Paul, when he was a religious guy, when he was the soul, right? But things were so bad that night. I thought the ridicule of going to pass the night in a lady's house so that I don't end up sleeping on the street was so bad. I said to God that morning, that evening, it was around midnight. So all options were exhausted for me to be on my way after midnight to a woman's house to pass the night. Right. I was said, I said to God, I said, I am paying 20% of my tithe. I was so angry at God. Why will you not do this with my little bag? I was climbing a hill at midnight. I was not even, I was, I was not even care. I was not even afraid or care about, you know, whether it was an unsafe environment. I was so angry. We're talking about religious. I'm, I'm just laying the foundation. I was gonna rush this, but like, Lord, but when the Lord was speaking to me this morning, he said, "This is one of the things that have held people in so much bondage. So you gotta take your time to teach this. So I might be able to do this in two weeks or four weeks. I'm joking. Maybe we we'll do it in two weeks, right? So I was so angry at God, and I was going. I was, I'm not lost track. I've not been sidetracked. I'm talking about the fact that we have common sense to use, even when we give our life to Christ. So I said, I just, I was just a normal man. I was, I was so hungry at God. And, um, okay, I passed the night. I, you know, I was there for the weekend before I was able to get one of my contacts then moved out and stuff like that. Mm. Then one day, so when I moved to another location, that's how I was living. I was moving from location to location, right? So when I moved to another location, I was sleeping that night and I wasn't, I wasn't sleeping yet. I was, I was just on the bed and I asked God a question and he answered me. Then I asked him the second one. Guess what he said? He said, that is why I give you a brain. Use it. I can still remember where I was lying and when I asked the question as I'm speaking to you. It's one of the most ridiculous statements. I mean, one of non-demeaning. I mean, I felt so bad in myself. I was like, Lord, are you, are you trying to say I've not been using my sense? Are you trying to say I've not been using my brain? And it was true. Because when I started applying my brain and using my common sense, things changed. I'm about to make some statements here. So don't hear this statement and run off. This is one of the reasons why I'm usually cautious of all this online thing. But I'm speaking to the church family. But if you are listening to this, please stay connected and hear me to the end. 
one of the reasons why we have a lot of division on YouTube, Facebook today is because people would take one line of a pastor and they run off with it. And with all due respect, unintelligent Christian would not go and find out the entire story and they start spreading the rumor. It just shows that... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I'm trying to be very nice. It just shows that we, the immaturity in the body of Christ is, is shocking. So listen to me. You continue to listen to me all to the end. Fantastic. So what I'm about to say is this. When I got my first job in financial services, I wasn't paying tight. I repeat, when I got my first job in the financial services, which was a big thing back then, which people said I have to lie on my CV, I have to do that, I have to do this, I have to do that to get that kind of job. You know, I didn't lie. Uh, what I have was what I put on my CV and I got a job. Right. I wasn't paying my CV, though I was stashing it up in a separate account because I couldn't just imagine, you know, like not honoring God with my finances. You know, and I looked at how my life has been, how things have gone on since then. And I've seen the place of common sense and, and the application of my brain with God's guidance, making room, making way for me. So being a Christian does not mean that we should not apply intelligence or think. So one of the reasons why many people in the world think Christianity is stupidity is because of how we don't apply intelligence to our Christian living. So Christianity is not a reason for you not to be able to to follow basic principle of sowing and reaping. Wait, 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 before you run off with sowing and reaping. When I say sowing and reaping is investing. And sowing and reaping, I'm not talking about when you give money. I'm talking about if you're a farmer, you plant seed in the soil, you prepare the ground, you get rid of the weeds, you know, you follow the uh, harvest process. These crops, they germinate, they grow, and you harvest the crops. See, all this kind of mindset that, you know, you don't even need to plant a seed on the farm. But if you give money to a man of God, God will bless you, money will come into your life. They are just rubbish. And many of us can tell that it has never worked. Can we have sincere and honest people in service this morning, please? Honest and sincere people. I mean, if you are tired of religion, if you know that you're working with God, you are tired. Like you've done, like I was doing back then, paying 20% of my time and nothing was happening. If you know you are tired of church, you are tired of religion, you want to be in service today and next week. But if you, or if you know anyone who is tired of church, who is tired of serving God, they, I mean, they've been beaten, they are now broke, they've given all their life savings to a man of God, like they are confused of Christianity. Those are the people that need to be in church now because I'm going to be sharing some things that are very true. I get him, that religious men we not like, but we set you free. Amen. So uh, that's just preface. Preface. The fact that you are born again, you're a child of God, does not mean you should not use your common sense. The lack of common sense, you know, in the body of Christ, the lack of application of common sense. And when I say common sense, just basic things. You, you know, you get to work. You get to work at a time you are contracted to get to work, 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock. You know, don't say grace covers you. You get there at 8.30. I get to me and they are now mounting um, queries against you, so to say, at work kind of thing. And um, you are now saying, God, you know, I'm serving you. I don't understand. I'm a pastor. If I contract to be at work at eight o'clock and customers will, and we open the, say for instance, I'm in retail and we open the door to customers to come in and buy goods at eight o'clock and you say because you are serving God or you are praying and you're praying and you're moved by the spirit and you pray to 10. I'm sure after three warnings or four warnings, I'm going to fire you. I'm a pastor. So let's be very, very serious and very clear. Amen. You see how all of this 
play or what I've just shared. You see how they, they play in, in this religious sphere as we get into it. So now the Bible says to us in uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 74 that God wants us to serve him without fear. Verse 75 says, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. But taking note of verse 74, say God does not want to, so to enable us to serve him without fear. So God does not want us to serve him in fear. God does not want us to serve him in fear. In you know, let me see what how New King James put it. 74. Now verse 74 says, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Same one. Amen. May serve him without fear. So let's carry on. Um we're talking about religious fear. Let me see if there's anything I need to call out from last week that um maybe okay, because of my time, I think you guys just avail yourself to the message I taught last week and um uh and try to then come back and watch this one too as well and see how things put together amen i remember i called out different kind of fears last week i talked about religious fear fear of man fear of change uh fear of death fear of the lord and i i address common types of fear you know uh that we do have in our world today and i just said that um when fear is unresolved, they tend to evolve. So when you are afraid in an area of your life and you don't deal with it, it, um, it you'll be surprised that it begins to um, spiral into other areas of your life. And the common fears we deal with, the fear of loss of a job, fear of death of a loved one, fear of losing our marriage, fear of economic collapse, all manner of fear that the media tends to present to us just to get our attention, not, no, not knowing that when we think on those things, we 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 establish faith in our heart and we are not able to walk in the blessings and the promises of god amen now so let's talk about religious fear yeah a fear that religion brings into our life and when i say religion here i'm not talking about religion in the context of how people see different kind of faith as a religion uh, mostly islamic religion the christian religion the, this religion the buddhism all this kind of thing no no i'm looking at religion from the point of the set rules that man human beings have set down for themselves as the way to relate with god right rules principles that human beings have set down as the way to connect with god See, the reason why we have a lot of religion in the world today is because mankind is always looking for a way to connect to the supernatural. Mankind knows somehow within himself, even the agnostic or the order of those with atheist, they know they are lost. This is the reason why many believers must train themselves not to be moved or carried away by what people say. Because what people say and how they look is not a replica, it's not a reflection of what's really going on in their heart. So don't allow people to fool you. Don't allow people to use their mannerism and their camouflage and their face and the so-called boldness to intimidate you. No, there's more going on the inside. So just mind your business. Walk with the Lord and you will be fine. Amen. Amen. So people have put together rules and regulations as to how to relate with God. Is it funny that people who do not know God in their mind are thinking, you know, this is what God should accept. I think it's a height of pride. You would do not know God. You don't even have a clue. Even you, you are trying to find yourself. Even you, you are in problem. You are now saying, if you do 10 things, God will answer you. If you do 24 things, God will answer you. Do you know how many Christians are in bondage today? Because a man of God said, who told you he's a man of God? 
If you do not know God, how do you know whether that man is a man of God? A man is not a man is not a man of God because people call him a man of God or he comes and calls himself a man of God. The Bible tells us that by their fruit you shall know them. Amen. Not by what they say of themselves, what people see about them. Because a thousand people can call a person a man of God because he's ministering to the carnality and the stupidity of their head. Hey. And when I say stupidity of their head, many people are looking for places where the man of God will pour anointing oil on their prayer request and money will be coming in. Still going back to when I was talking about senses. Many people are not working a job. They are going around prophesying to people's lives so that people can put money in their hands. I never knew pastoring was this challenging because I still had to work. Like yesterday, I was still taking notes from my from my books on how to just remind myself of, of how to tackle the two uh, projects that I've landed. I think they're more than two now. And I've landed on my lap at work. I'm pastoring. I have a family. I have a church to look after. We are growing in church. Yes, I still go and do a nine to five job, and I'm looking at how to transition out of it, not by coughing money out of your bucket. I'm not expecting church members to give for us to grow the church. I'm like, Lord, you're going to supply our need. What do I need to do? How can I raise millions you know, to do the things we need to do? Church family, if they give, praise the Lord. But I'm not looking to them because God has not called me to get them to give. He has called me to be a blessing to them. Amen. And that's why I will not waste my time unnecessarily on things that are not making sense. And that's why you hardly see me on social media. Because i got business to do. i got a church to raise. i got people to pastor. Amen. So, um, some people, right, they, they call somebody a man of God because it's catering to their stupidity. Or to make it nicer, because it's catering to their lack of understanding. And to the innocent ones, so they are stupid people, they are, they are innocent ones. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious this morning. I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not, and the choice of words I'm using, I mean it, to be honest, I mean it. Right? Because when you see some things such that... I, don't, I think we have kids in the service, right? So I'm going to try to say this so, so that you can tell that, you know, I'm not angry that before you switch off the screen, you, switch, you, you, you leave service this morning so that, you can, so that you can tell for yourself that these examples of stupidity. So I was, I was um, there's a report I was, I was um, watching. So okay, let, I will try to phrase because of kids in service this morning. So a man of God laid flat on the, on the, laid on a, on a member of the church, right in front of every member of the church. This person, the man of God laid on, was a female. And the old child was crying, and they called that spiritual passage of anointing, so that that woman can receive the fruit of the womb. How does that sound to you? So when I'm talking about stupid, I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people who do not know who have been manipulated. I'm coming down there. I'm not talking about people who are being manipulated. I'm talking about things that they are utter. Okay, one of the feedback I got sometimes, sometimes is when you when I used to watch stupid some children, some kids in the church, they actually go and use them in school. All right, but parents, we need to we need to clarify this. Clarify this. I think our children, we need to show them what stupidity is because when a child knows something is stupid, right? They too, they will not do it because they know they are not supposed to be stupid. They're supposed to be wise and walk in the wisdom of God. Amen. So there are some. If you can give me some more words to describe this money, there's some utter, do you know the next will come to my mind? Madness. There's some madness going on in the body of Christ that you're like, where did we get this from? And because the people are gullible, they want a man of God to cater to that. So they call a man a man of God. But for you, a child of God, the practices that you learn from the word of God, like Paul said, 
the things you learn from Jesus are they reflective of what the man of God do or the woman of God do? When a man of God tells you to come and kiss his feet, or the man of God asks you to come so that he can wash his feet on your head, tell me, where is Christ in that? Where did you see Jesus do that? Where did you see Jesus go to, uh, go to River Jordan, take the water, pray on it, put a price tag on it, and ask you to go and drink or to go and bath for seven days so that you can receive your deliverance? What are we thinking? Are we all right? Are we thinking? Are we awake? Are we using our senses? I'm talking to all of us together. <laughs> you know, one of the things I appreciate for the feedback for things I teach on is when people come to me and say, thank you so much for saying that. Nobody's talking about that. Uh, again, sometimes I think I'm probably mean or too direct, but some people, when the feedback I've gotten, unanimously is like, thank you for sharing this because nobody's talking about it. So are we thinking? So, yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to use more words to, to challenge us. Are we, are we okay? Nice part of a church where they ask us, every time I remember this, I just feel bad for myself and my wife. So we used to be part of this church and they do this silly thing called feet washing. Taking it from the, from Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, said, if you don't, if you don't, if I don't wash your feet, talking to Peter, you're not, you don't have a pattern in me. Right? So washing your physical feet is what makes it to be a pattern in Jesus. So I wonder where there's, I wonder what happens to Romans chapter 10, that if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus and confess in your mouth that you'll be saved. I wonder what happened to Ephesians 1.13 that the day you believed, you, were, you received the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise by whom you cry, Abba, Father. I, I wonder what happens uh, to, those, to all of those verses that say that because you believe in Christ Jesus that you have been engrafted into the family of God. I wonder what happens to 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any man be in Christ, a new creature, all things are past even and all things are becoming new. I wonder what happens to John chapter 1 verse 12 that to us who have believed in Christ Jesus, he has given us the right to become a child of God. So because one place, one, 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 one place, Jesus said to Peter, showing that the man of God said doesn't understand what it means, that if you don't, if I don't watch your video, you don't have a part in me, which he explained later on, talking about them, to how to serve one another. He said that the people of the world lord leadership over the people, but they should not lord things over people. They should serve one another because what Jesus did there was he took the position of the lowest slave in a household who washes the feet of strangers when they come into a family or they are visiting a family because they used to live in a very dusty environment that time. And when guests arrive in a particular house or in a particular home, right, the, the, the lowest level of slave in the family takes a bowl and water to wash the feet of the guest and cleans it. And Jesus demonstrated that I've called you to serve one another. So how does that now make you to be, to have a part? And they then victimize you that they manipulate you that if you don't come for feet washing service, it is not with you or your enemies will be right and thousands some people will not show up in church at all all the year but when it comes to feet washing service they show up in church what are we thinking do we know the bible are we christians at all so you can tell for yourself i'm going so we've not started we're just warming up we're talking about religious faith god wants me to unpack as many things that's held many people in bondage in christianity and has not allowed them to walk with him to relate with him like jesus does Jesus praying for, the, for his disciples, John chapter 17. He said that the world may know that you love them and that the way you have loved me, you have also loved them. Lord. The way God loves Jesus, he has also loved you. My friend, let's get it. Lord, help us this morning. The way God loves Jesus, he has also loved you. Amen. 
So what is injuring your relationship? What is making you to walk in fear? Romans chapter 5. Let's go there. I knew this was going to happen because when I was trying to put my notes together, I wasn't, wasn't working. Romans 5. Uh, let me see. Let me. I can do King James. Let me. Now, so, sorry, verse five. I was looking at one. I was like, "What's this?" So, verse five, one. Look, look, listen to this yourself. Listen to it carefully. Don't forget, Luke chapter one, verse seventy-four. That God has called you, and He has delivered you from your enemies, and doesn't want to serve Him in fear. Now, listen to this. Let's watch this. Romans five, one. Therefore. Having been justified by faith, we have what trouble with God. We have disaster with God. I don't know whether I don't know what the kind the version of Bible you are reading. Because what my Bible says here is, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, because you are in Christ Jesus. God is not angry with you. You have peace with God. So the question is this. So where do you get those philosophy and principle from of the 54 things you need to do for God to be happy with you? Who deceived us? Who dipped us? Back in, I'm, I'm going to continue to finish the story about the... Well, how I feel so bad for myself and my wife that day. So we went for this feet washing service. It was winter. Very cold, freezing cold. And when we go back home, so the, so the priest, the law was this. It's not. I feel. I feel so so unintelligent. I feel so stupid. Like, how did that believer fall into that crap? So we got. So they told us that when we get home, so we washed our feet in the church, right, in church building, and we walk. We walk. We we wore our shoes. We got into the church bus. They took, you know, I don't even think we, got, we were able to get in the church bus. So, somehow, somehow, we got ourselves back because the church is outside of London. We were living in London at that time. And we got into, we got back home. And they asked us when you get home. Now, 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 now think, let things think. Now, think, 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 let's think together how this is different from diabolic activities. No, let's think it. Let's think how is this different from diabolic activities? And I don't say they mean that. But God wants me to unpack as many things as help people bondage. Now, now think, because many of the things that we're doing is diabolic. Is how idol worshippers operate. Right? And it is one of the things that has made a lot of Christians to fall prey and victim of demonic prophets. Yeah. So listen to this. So that's just when we get home. In the 21st century, in a church where the man of God, let me not say more so that you don't, you don't, I don't expose him. I don't expose him. Well-educated, Doctor, okay. So they asked us when we get home, remove your shoes and walk barefooted. You know, remove your shoes and walk barefooted and walk walk in your surroundings. Walk in your surroundings. And when we go home, we did it. My our legs, our feet were freezing. You know, when we go back into the house, literally, we just had to wrap our foot with with blankets, with duvets, to warm it up. For what reason? You miss one fit washing service. You think listen carefully. If you miss one of those kind of services, it's it's like it's like you have missed something in your life that you can never recover. If you go for uh, night vigil services and you happen to sleep, 
They say, if, if you sleep and the Lord pass you by, you know, there's something coming from heaven. What is coming from heaven? How? There's something coming from heaven and people will be struggling not to sleep. I don't run videos for many reasons. Okay, well, we used to pray for three hours. And I realized that once it's kind of 11.30, the people are sleeping. I'm like, seriously, when people, are, when people are sleeping, they are not praying. I cut it down to two hours. So we used to have worship, we used to have things. I remove all of that. I say, you know what, what, I, what I'm calling people to pray, not to worship and do other stuff. I want us to maybe to, you know, you know, fellowship and st- then we pray. But when I realized that when it's 11.30, people are feeling are tired, they're sleeping because they've been working all day for money. So when you are so when you are sleeping, you are not praying. So all these things like all this mindset, like you know, as they are praying, something is happening. We are deceiving us. How many things has happened? I think God is up to something with us here. Amen. I cut down to two hours. Somebody said to me later on, I feel I feel like we have not worshipped. I looked at the sister, I smiled. And my mother was like, This is no, this is no you have a good idea, you have a, you have an idea, but um the fact that you do you feel that we have not worshipped doesn't mean that um other people feel like we because other people that I'm looking at, they're, they're tired. It's been a long day. Amen. It's not a worship meeting, it's a prayer meeting. When the people prove to me and they grow, they are strong, that they can do another two hours, then we can make it four hours. But at that level that I know, two hours, they, they, will, pray, they will pray the prayer they should pray and they don't know, they, they knew that they pray. Amen. So if, I didn't plan for, I didn't prepare for this. So if you have been manipulated into video, that you should come to video, that that's when the Lord will hear you, those 12 midnight prayer, they have deceived you. So, when you are attacked spiritually at 1 p.m., so what happens? You know, the, all this fallacy and this um, nonsense that we are told that um, God hears a prayer in 12 midnight. So my question is, what about people on a different time zone? Because it seems like, now we're guessing it. So are you trying to say that, <laughs> Jesus, Lord, why are we going? Lord, help me this morning. <laughs> I didn't plan on this. <laughs> So this church used to call, there was a time they called 100 Days Fasting and Praying. I used to be part of the church at that time. You know, God is so amazing. I've always knew something was wrong. He said, what bothers me is how the man of God is able to stand boldly. And this is one of the men of God I respect a lot. But how the man of God will stand so boldly and say, God said the church should go on 100 Days Fasting and Praying. It shocks me. Many of his children, if they they know what I'm talking about. They'll start hitting me, probably give me his comment and stuff like that. But your stupidity, will, let's see how far it will last you because all of you are struggling in, in bondage. You see, I'm not begging anybody. I mean, God, I didn't, all I'm saying this morning, I'm not, you know, I, I, I've told you how God told me I wasn't using my brain. So we are all in the same boat. But God is just like, I've taken, I've moved. <laughs> so all of you, I know many of them. I know they're still struggling. In all those, they, they are pursuing. All I know, everything I know is not working. I know how people go and sow seed to so that they can get husband. They've not gotten the husband. The ones that got husband, the man is beating them. See, I know all these things. I know how many marriages are not working, and they are. See, let us stop deceiving ourselves. Are some people ready to be free from religious fear this morning? Let's stop all this. We know what's going on. I know people, I've not finished the 100 days fasting and prayer. I've not misled. I mean, we are, we, I, mean I don't know how, how we're going to do this next few weeks because I've not even started at all. But God showed me this morning, he said, don't rush this because this is what has kept a lot of people in bondage. So I know people who went to write down a date they would get married. We're talking about senses here, brain. So they are told to write a date they want to get married. 
and they ma- especially ladies, they, and they manipulate the man that comes into their life to get them to marry by that date. Friends, by by uh, by privilege to have, you know, I get information. Many of them are struggling in the marriage. Some of them are married to pastors, born again brothers and sisters who are literally monsters. Some women are screaming right as I'm speaking because I know what I'm talking about. Who beat them black and blue because they want to marry by a date? Friends, where is the place of common sense that before you get married to a person, before you commit yourself to a lifelong relationship, you need to know who you are going to deal with? All this by, by March next year, married. You marry a madman if a woman. Or you marry a, permit my language, a witch if a man. Because you got to know people. So, this is not to condemn anyone who have mismarried. God is calling me to expose the stupidity and the manipulation that is going on the body of Christ because he wants his people to be free. Amen. I've been checking my heart. Look, can you use another word apart from stupid? He's not allowing me to. He's not, he's not giving me that word. Amen. God wants people to be free. The time of freedom has come. There's not a message that anybody in the religious circle will like. But if you know you have been beaten, you are tired, you have lost all your money, all your investment, you are growing thinner because you are take, you are borrowing money and taking loans to service a man of God for God to bless you, and the man is getting fatter, he's buying private jet and all kind of stuff. You know, there's one silly person who says things like, um, there is always one, one, one I call her sister, one thousand dollar seed. Because all that comes to the man is $1,000. And when I saw one message, she's pretty fantastic message one day, very fantastic message. I mean, I was so blessed by the message. Then she brought the $1,000 thing. And the way she described it is so demonic because you put the one, now, the envelope, you're going to put the $1,000, put it by your bedside. I don't put a 19 And I'm like, excuse me, are we all right? And do you know how many, I'm speaking for the sake of the people that are in bondage. Not the religious fanatics and gullible people who will not walk with Christ, who do not know Christ. Friends, not everybody who are in church are Christians. Don't forget where I was coming from. The fact that somebody called themselves a Christian doesn't mean they are Christian. And this is a sad thing because the people of the world, because somebody called themselves a Christian and the person is not truly a Christian, you know, they classify all Christians to be the same. See, if thousands can be in a church and not one of them is born again, Pastor Tony, how possible? We get there. We get it. Amen. So talking about the man of God who called fasting. Today is fantastic because sometimes I will have jumped off. So the man of God said that God said the church should go on under day fasting and praying. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Let's go to James chapter 2. Don't forget the people that are in church today are the people that um, are tired of... Um, uh, tired of um, religion. Let me see. Let me quickly go there. My thing is taking so, so long. Uh, let's go, please. Amen. So, James 2 was talking to us about not showing favoritism. Now, let's start from verse 1. I'm going to read down quickly to verse um, 5, right? And then I will 
I'll get us into the stuff. Now, my brethren, do not do, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit there in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand here, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? and become judges with evil thoughts. Now, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love it, who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do, do, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the court. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, no, no. So look at verse 9. It says, But if you show partiality, you commit sin. Now listen to this story that I'm gonna use to wrap up. So the man of God said, The people in Nigeria, you know, they will go through it, you know, um, they will do the hundred days. Is that they do hundred days that they break at six in the evening? Or they do 30 days intense, no food. I can't remember if they said no water. And he said, the people abroad, these people in the UK and the US, they can have tea. I don't understand. The people in Nigeria cannot have tea. But the people abroad can have tea. And God said that. You know, people are abroad, back in Nigeria, people are abroad, they are seen as sophisticated. They feel like, you know, um, they are different people, you know, you know, things are possible for them. But the people in Nigeria, things seem to be hard for them. So I don't understand. The people in Nigeria cannot have tea as a fast, but the people in the UK, in the US, can have tea. The devil is a liar. Do you know that this, that standard is not, is not that standard is, is faulty? Something is not right there because that thinking, even though they said it's God, is separating and differentiating the Nigerian from the from the ones in the, the people based in Nigeria and the people based in the UK. And if the Bible says that partiality is a sin, then we're simply saying that God is committing sin because it's so because He allows some people to have some sugar for their energy level. If there's anybody that you have tea, it's people in Nigeria because it is hot. And those guys are working so hard. In the UK, many things are put in place. We have the right tools to work. We sit behind the computer. It's a very mentally tasking. But people in Nigeria, it's hard. Traffic. The sun is hot. So something is not right. I think God opened my eyes to see this. And it's, it's kind of a common practice. And the Lord began to open my eyes to see a lot of stuff. Friends, I mean, the things I've called are example in my spirit. I believe the Lord wants me to call us an example because he wants to set people free. I've not even really started scratching the surface of my not at all. Talking about freedom from religious fear, the money. I'm gonna get into some manipulations that the enemy is using people to free us from. Friends, God has called you to a life of peace to serve Him without fear, and there should be nothing in the world, nothing in the world that will that will take that peace and joy away from you. Not even a man of God. Your loyalty is to God. Your relationship with God not with the man of God. Amen.